Welcome to the Commander's Pod. Meet the cast. My name is Jeff. My name is Duncan, and together we are the, the Commander's, Commander's Podcast. So welcome everybody. Today, I think we wanted to start off by talking a little bit about our, ourselves and our backgrounds in magic, um, what got us into magic, and what you can expect from the, the podcast going forward. Uh, so Jeff, would you like to talk about your intro to magic? Absolutely. Who doesn't want to hear about a random person that they've never met? So I guess I'll go ahead and start. My name is Jeff. I actually started playing magic back in college, but then I sort of took a hiatus for quite a long time, and then Duncan and a couple of my friends got me back into it. But when I originally started, uh, I was actually at a Christian college, uh, which was interesting. And uh, we actually played in the library, Duncan. Uh, well, what we didn't know was a librarian had a bit of an issue with Magic the Gathering itself. And well, I, can, I can imagine that in a, in a Christian college, there would be that, that subsection that would be like, oh, that's, that's that devil's game I've heard about. For sure. She was quite unhappy, but she didn't tell us. She went straight to the dean and let him know of her problem. Apparently, they read the cards and found them to be exactly what you said, evil. And uh, they also talked about how magic was originally created, which was we were supposed to be magicians casting magic spells. Of course, no one in their right mind plays anything like that today. Nonetheless, we had to deal with this issue because that was where we played. So we went to him. We explained how the game works. And we spent some time talking to him. Luckily enough, we were in one of those type of Christian colleges where they could hear us out. So, needless to say, uh, that librarian thought that we were no longer playing. Little did she know, the entire time we had a key to the upstairs part of the library, to a special room that she did not know we were in, and the entire time she was there, we were playing magic right above her head. So, so really what ended up happening is the stories about the secluded uh, secret games that the kids were playing. She kind of made that happen or without even meaning to. Yeah, I don't think she yeah. ever found out about it, though, but it was a lot of fun. So uh, it's a good story to start with. How about you, Duncan? How did you get started? Uh, well, I got started pretty early on in Magic's uh, history. It was, it was right around uh, 94, 95, right when Revised came out, so the first actual set to be released fully to the public after Alpha and Beta. And uh, – Commander didn't exist back then. Uh, really, it was just uh, casual. There was no structured format to how you built your decks too much. Uh, but there were things like, uh, I know I've talked to you about them, about mana burn. Like, if you don't use all your mana by the end of your turn, it actually do deals damage for each point of mana that you had in your pool. That sounds terrible. Uh, it actually added something. I kind of think they should add it back, but Ugh. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, there was a couple things that were a little different. Annie was a thing. You would take a card at random out of your deck, put it in the middle, and you were actually playing for the cards in Annie. So you were risking something when you played, and somebody might have pulled an island, and you might have pulled a uh, really expensive card. Um, so it, that's one of the reasons they did away with that. Yeah, if I'm doing that, someone's getting Doc holidayed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but then uh, I, I do remember when uh, in our role-playing group, uh, Johnny brought up the playing Magic, and we all had some background in it, but he told us about Commander, and that format just really grabbed me. And that's what, I mean, that... I liked Magic when I played before, but Commander has really held my attention, and it's almost the only form of Magic I like playing. I do like draft and stuff, and I know I know that's pretty much the only format you play. Yeah, and I thought I was going to hate it. We were doing the role-playing games, uh, pen and pencil RPG. That's sort of what I was into. You guys suggested this game. I was like, you know, my experience hadn't been that great with, with Magic in the past. Um and I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought it was going to be very expensive. I thought people were ultimately going to buy each other and, out and, of the game. And let's be clear. It, it is an expensive hobby for most of us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, no, it ended up being a lot of fun. And uh, I'm also glad Johnny's getting a shot out here. He'll enjoy that. Yeah. Well, uh, he, sh he should get the credit because he was the one who pulled us into it. And uh, he really fought for it and, and got us playing. So, so thank you, Johnny. Yeah, by the way, you will probably get him on here at some point if we can talk him into it. So we'll see down the line. But uh, 
some, I just also wanted to talk about what you can expect from our podcast, uh, what you're going to see different from other podcasts you listen to. We both listen to a lot of the podcasts. We love the podcasts that are out there, but we thought we could add a little something different. Uh, one of the things I think Jeff and I bring to the table are differing viewpoints. Him and I do not agree on everything. Is That's that correct. Yeah. Duncan, you're wrong a lot. So it yeah. makes it pretty easy to disagree. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Uh, you would think you could win more arguments, but but I see your point. Uh, I think we have unique, unique perspectives. Uh, we both have um, coming from different points in Magic's history. I think you get two different perspectives on how the game has evolved and what's what's come. Uh, we have different viewpoints on uh, uh, things like financing and stuff like that with Magic. And uh, basically, I think we're just not trying to copy what came before us. We're just trying to do our own thing and, and try and give you... We're not trying to say everything we say is what you need to believe. We're trying to give you our viewpoints, which will usually be uh, not two different viewpoints, but but basically uh, let you decide for yourselves. Yeah, and just take a second for a shout-out to EDH Rec Crew and Commander's Pod, us, and uh, Command Zone. Uh, those guys uh, are awesome. They're doing good work out there getting everybody involved in uh, this awesome format. So. Thank you, guys. Yep. Um, there's there. I could go on and on. I, I listen to probably a dozen. Um, I'm not going to list them all here, but, uh, you know, we do try and listen to a lot of different uh, viewpoints, and that's one of the things that got us interested in doing this. But So let's, let's jump into uh, the next segment. Uh, th- this segment I like to call, that doesn't do what you think it does. And, and this is something we're going to try and do every every. Uh, episode and just try and point out some things that we've seen or we've experienced. A lot of these are things that we've made the mistake before, and we're just trying to prevent others from making the same mistake and putting some clarity on the issue. Um, yeah, that'll give you an idea right up front that we're not exactly experts. We're just guys who like to play a game and talk about it. Yeah, we are not. We've never been pros. Uh, we've actually never, uh, we were talking about this, neither of us have ever been to a uh, Magic Fest or or a command commander fest. Uh, we we had one scheduled, but it's been canceled at this point. But we plan on doing one very soon. But Yay for COVID nineteen! Shout out. <laughs> but uh, we let's jump right into the topic though. Uh, things that uh, people are doing incorrectly. Not everybody, but some people have this problem. So today's today's topic on that is priority and who has it. And I I. No, we used to play in a smaller play group. It was just the four of us. Um, like I said, our friend Johnny got us into it, and it was just the four of us playing. We would just cast our spells. Somebody would say whether they countered it, and we'd move on. Uh, we didn't really pay attention to the stack or, or priority and who has it, passing priority, keeping priority, anything like that. And really, I see that's a common thing. If you don't play in a structured environment like a game shop, if you don't do tournaments... It doesn't come up. And I do feel, by the way, that Arena, and I know, Jeff, you haven't really played with Arena much, but Arena has done a better job of making people aware that there are things that can happen. But it's also very black and white there, and so I think there has been some confusion about how many things can happen with priority. So Yeah, and to be clear, uh, look, even if you don't understand all the rules, we still had a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sure we did everything wrong. But the game, even when you get started, it's a lot of fun. So just get into it, play it, and as you start learning, you're going to grow as your play group grows, and that's okay. Right. That's true. And uh, so even when we make these clarifications on the rules, if, if your play group has been playing different and it's been working for you and you don't want to change, don't change. We're just trying to point out some things because if you do go play with another group, you may run into some problems where they're, you know, they're doing things more uh, directly by the rules, and you may run into some friction. So just so you know where the differences are. So with priority, you cannot take priority from the current player. It has to be passed. You can't just jump in and say, wait, I cast my counter spell. You can you can ask them, are, are you dumb with priority? And then it will pass to the next person in turn. you got to wait your turn. If there's three people before you and that player in the p- turn order, you got to wait patiently. And that's not a bad thing because, hey, if they have a resource they can use against it, let them do it rather than force you to do it. Just be careful when you do that that you don't start your move in response to find out that they haven't passed priority. 
because they can hold priority if they know what you're doing next that can affect what they do. Exactly. You don't want to tip your hand. Right. Uh, once they pass priority, you have a response. Of course, then they get a response to your response. Uh, it can get a little confusing for beginning players, but, uh, you know, it can happen. And I think we've all seen the counterspell war at one point or another. I counter. I counter your counter. I counter that counter. Uh, that is one of my most fun moments of magic when that happens. I that is I don't know what it is. It's just like it hap- It's like the the uh, the white elephant. It's like so rare. It's like ooh, there it is. Look in the wild. And you get to celebrate it because you get to talk about it. My my most enjoyable moments are the moments I don't get to talk about until later, which are those moments where in general you really shouldn't manipulate your friends and family. Uh, it's kind of a bad thing to do, but in magic, it's a part of politics. The manipulation is real, and in these different parts, you want to make sure you're careful. When you have an opportunity to use it, use it, but don't tip your hand when you don't need to. Uh, the other thing about priority, uh, you cannot react to things like an untapped step. That does not use the stack. It is not a responsible uh, action or turn. Nothing really can happen in the untapped step I can't think of one card that re- references it. If there is a card that says it happens in the untapped step, someone will let us know. That would be the exclusion, but you cannot say in response to your untapped. Doesn't happen. Even the person playing cannot respond to their untapped. So, Duncan, since we're talking about priority, how does that interact then with things like split second or a morph card? So, split second or a morph card do not use the stack but you still need priority to use them. You can't take it. Just because somebody played a spell, if they do not pass priority, you cannot jump in and play your split second spell or do your morph. You must still wait for priority to be passed, but it does not use the stack, so it does not interact. Your thing will happen no matter what. And so a lot of times what we do is we speed up a game. So we sort of skip a lot of steps. But when you're playing some of these cards where the rules are a little bit more difficult, you might want to take a moment to slow down and make sure you're going through the right steps at that moment because there can be interactions, maybe even where you don't think there could be interactions. And so you've you've got to just take a moment. My encouragement is for those players that are playing those cards that are confusing, take a moment, explain what you're doing, help the rest of the table. That's probably not a moment to be tricking people or trying to steal a win. You want to go ahead and communicate what's going on. Right. And it's very important when it's your turn to make it clear when you are giving an opportunity to pass priority. If you cast a spell, don't immediately move on. If it's if it's a minor spell, it's nobody's soul ring. Very rarely is anybody going to do anything. Although I did That's counter, yeah. I did counter Jeff Solring early on one game, and and I got to tell you, it's still one of my favorite moments because yeah. it did have an effect. It actually, I think it wasn't a, it was not a soul ring. I think it was actually a mana ramp. I think it was like a Kadama's Reach or something, or or maybe burgeoning. I know that's one you use a yeah, lot. Yeah, you've never countered that, but I don't know why. You probably should. Yeah, that's probably that, that one. That one, I'm definitely first chance I get. I'm going to counter that. Thanks, that's a Jeff. game winner. Yeah, for uh, sure. But anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, split second, things like that. You can't take priority, but they do not use the stack, uh, and nobody can respond to a split second or a morph because it does not use the stack. But priority can still be passed. So that, that is important. So there's, there's other things. There's a lot more to it. I mean, we could go on for a whole. Well, let's go ahead and take a second. Why do you explain how priority does work from the beginning till the end where it finishes? Okay. So a player casts a spell. That player on their turn. Let's, we'll, we'll pretend it's their turn. The player casts their spell. They still have priority. If they are not going to cast another instant or do anything like a split second or a morph, um, anything like that, use an ability, if right. their next spell is going to be another, say, uh, sorcery speed spell, right? they then have to pass priority. And then the next person in turn order gets the opportunity to respond with instance uh, abilities, things that happen at, at instant speed. So this, this actually brings up a spot. I'll have a spot later on where I talk about things that aggravate me, but I've got so many things that aggravate me. So this is a good moment to take a second and talk about one of those things that aggravates me, and that's when someone has priority and they choose to use their priority to do something that doesn't affect the game at all, but they're going to behave like it does. So they keep everybody in this dramatic anticipation for them to go ahead and, like, 
tap a land to go ahead and cause something completely unrelated to the events to happen. Uh, Although you may think that's funny out there doing that, most people get annoyed by that. So think about that before you do it. Uh, that, that That is true. Uh, so basically, priority will pass from player to player. Each player can hold priority until they've done all the instant speed actions that they want to do. Until it gets back around the... Can I hold priority and just say I refuse to pass it until you go get me a beer? Uh, you can do that. Okay, I don't know why I haven't yet. Yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest it. Nobody's going to want to play with you right. if you do that. But yes, you can. Okay. Uh, uh, there is no rule against that, that's for sure. Uh, you're probably going to have people scooping at instant speed at that point. So then I win, right? Uh, no. I mean, if they scoop, I win. No. Okay, so they just don't want to play with you. Anyway. is probably not a good way to do it. N- not a good way to that's do it. That's a good lesson. Uh, but the other important thing to remember is each new action has its own priority. So it can get confusing because what, let's say player A casts a, a creature spell. Player B casts a counter to that creature spell. Well, now priority passes from player B to player C, D back to A, say. And then each of those get to respond to the counter spell. And then priority resumes for the original spell going to player C, D, and back to A. So Once it gets get back, it can get complicated. Um, Usually it doesn't cause too many problems as long as you know how it works. So that's why we're just trying to keep you guys appraised. If you're playing in a small in a small group of people, you're going to make mistakes on that. If you happen to be at a local game shop, take a moment to look around the table, find the guys that have more experience. They're going to help you through that process, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's okay to not understand something and get some help. There's a lot of elder players, we'll call them. They've been playing forever. They're not judges, but they might as well be. They're like unofficial judges, and they're always able to help you out. And they can almost, some of them can almost name the rule line that they're referencing they've been playing. Yeah, and although some of them are elderly, uh, which I guess is what you're alluding to, uh, some of them are very young. And you, uh, some of us older guys may have a hard time deferring to these young guys, but they know what they're doing. So you take a moment, listen to them, and if, if you still don't agree, you could obviously look it up or possibly find a judge if there's one available. And that, that's true with any question you have. Um, you know, you, your community is going to be your best uh, option when you don't have a judge readily available. Right. So... Uh, Next, let's jump right into the main topic of today. Uh, Jeff and I both just opened our booster boxes from the mystery set. Uh, that Duncan talked me into buying, which thank you, sir. I, th- you know what's funny? I don't remember talking you into buying it. I think my talking you into buying it was when I went up to the counter at our local game shop, uh, Poppin' Comics, and said, I'd like to buy a pre-order a box of mystery boosters. And you were right behind me saying, ooh, what's that? Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> so... I don't remember really talking you into it. Uh, if if that's what you tell your wife to make things well, uh, I really, smooth over, I'm okay I really with that. enjoy this game. So at the end of the day, that's probably all it takes is my friend is about to get a whole bunch of cards and I won't be able to keep up. But so we had a lot of questions when we ordered them. Was it a good decision? What were we really going to get out of it? There's 1,600 cards in that base. Is magic destroying the value of our cards? <laughs> yeah. But uh, – so we're going to talk about our experiences. I actually opened two boxes, and Jeff opened one himself, and talk about our experiences, some things we got out of it, um, how that... Whoa, there, I guess his voice just disappeared. We'll go ahead and give him a moment. Well, in general, I did pretty good. Uh, one of the cards that I picked up out of that that really made the entire set worth doing was Mana Crypt, uh, which... Uh, if anyone doesn't know, that's a pretty amazing card. In general, it comes out for a zero cost, and it can tap for two mana. It does have a bit of a downfall, which is you do take damage. But again, that's pretty mitigated by the fact that we're playing in Commander, which gives you 40 life. Uh, you got plenty of life to use as a resource, so to getting that early mana ramp is uh, very important. It's a great card. It, it was valued as high as over $200. I think now the mystery one itself has gone down to like 140 130 bucks, but that's still a good value out of one card to grab out of a, a box that costs 100 bucks. And that that is one thing I make want to make clear. Uh, the last few sets that have come out, you've seen a lot of yo-yo effects with the price. So when we say a price, uh, it could change tomorrow. I remember the day that that Jeff opened his, uh, the the price the he got he opened his a few hours before me and he, the prices had all 
bottomed out. They were all super low. Uh, the, the Mana Crypt, I think, was $68 at that point. Which should have bought one, another one. There. Right. Yeah. I, I should have bought two or three at yeah, that price. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but by the next morning, those prices had shot up and more in line with where they should be. So don't ever freak out when you open a box and values are really low. Wait and wait it out. Wait a day, a week, a couple weeks, a month. It's going to even out. After after a month, I'm pretty sure you can say that's where it's going to be. Uh, but in this case, I think after about about a day, it was pretty close to where it should be. And a couple days later, it moved up a little more. And now I think it's pretty much evened out it'll, for the most part. I think it'll get back up to its $180, $200 price range eventually. But it, that could take a long time. In general... The other thing I did was when I scanned these cards in, they only had they didn't have the new mystery pack versions. So I actually got to see what the value was if mystery box didn't ever exist. And it was huge. Uh, it was like $900 or something crazy. And so sometimes think about the fact that that's what happened. This box came out, you got $900 worth of cards. It would have cost you that much two months ago now you've got it in your hand even though it might be worth less tomorrow it still ultimately are pretty good cards and and personally i don't go for the high price cards i'm not gonna there are cards that are staples i'm gonna get them uh but i'm I'm saying like if there's two versions of a card there's an alpha version that costs a hundred dollars and there's a you know, later version that costs 30, 40. I'm going to take the 30, 40 every time. There are players that will say, no, no, no. You go for that one that's worth more. It's going to be worth more in the long run. That's not why I'm playing Magic. But but uh, don't get too hung up on value. It's about how you're going to play the cards usually that matters to most people. So like Jeff said, just because it's a low value when you open it, that card used to be valued high for a reason. Those are good cards. And and to be clear, there there's a difference between like what people will say, blinging out your deck where you're trying to get everything to be foiled. I, I don't care about that. I don't care about having a foil card, but I do want to use, I do enjoy dropping an Eldrazi that's a 40 or $50 card and expropriate, uh, which a lot of people hate. But there's something fun about dropping these cards out that have this value and uh, so I do enjoy that part of it. Um, and I would probably lean more towards caring that I drew the Mana Crypt over anything else in the in the box. And another thing I want to point out, uh, I have a reputation in our small play group and among some of the people at our local game shop of... You're almost I, making it too easy. Uh, the, 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 when I open a box, I have really good luck most of the time. Oh, we're still talking about magic? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I, I remember, uh, with the, one of the mythic editions, uh, not only did I open a, uh, mana vault, but I got the foil version as the, as the mythic as well on top of that in the same box. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely a dirt bag. It's unbelievable. But in this instance, Jeff, you got the card by far. I mean, that one card is worth easily five times what my my most valuable card I pulled out of two boxes. Yeah. So in this instance, as far as the home run card, that was you. Yeah, I'm very happy about that. So, so yeah, that was, that was your home run. Uh, how'd you feel about the rest of your box? I mean, it was pretty good. What I was hoping to get out of that box was, uh, like you've talked about before, more, more gas, more cards like Aristic Study or Telferi's Protection or things like that, and maybe even some lower-priced ones as well. Uh, but mostly I got cards that would help me start a new deck. Uh, but I did get some stuff in there that, that sort of goes in anything. I got a Supreme Verdict, uh, which uh, let's give you an idea what that one does. That kind of goes in any deck. So, uh, the nice thing about this is it's going to be a blue, uh, white, white, and then one. And it's Supreme Verdict can't be countered, and it's destroy all creatures. And the nice thing about that is it can't be countered, especially since one of the guys I plays with tends to play a lot of blue. I, I do like blue. I do like my counters. Yeah. Kind of controlly, not going to lie. Uh, yeah, so I, and, and what here's the interesting point. My first box I opened uh, was that gas. I got two Ristic Studies in that box. Um, I got, uh, you know... Uh, school at Water's Edge, Manamo School at Water's Edge. Uh, for those that don't know that one, that one is uh, comes in on taps. It's a legendary lands taps for a blue mana to your mana pool. You can also pay a blue tap at untap target legendary permanent. Um, very nice card. Uh, I got I got one of those. Um, 
but even my commons, my uncommons, there was a lot of gravy in there. There was a lot of stuff that I'm going to have in decks either that are already built or are great staples for decks to build in the future. I think that's what was a lot of fun out of this box was normally I probably skip through a lot of cards. I eventually will go back and look at them. But because the way this was set up where it was more like a draft set, all the cards in each slot could be very valuable and could be very good. You know, sometimes we talk about value and we forget a lot of times cards are valuable because they're better. Uh, and so, you know, we do tend to gravitate towards those because they typically do more. Obviously there's a lot of people out there building budget decks that can hold their ground with any other deck. And, and that's awesome. That's to be encouraged, but I'm sure even those guys, when they're opening a box are excited to pull out a study even though they can find another way to possibly do that cheaper. Uh, another card I grabbed out of there, it's a uh, white, white, and then colorless. It's Grasp of Fate. This is another one of those cards that kind of goes in a lot of decks. Uh, when Grasp of Fate enters a battlefield, for each opponent, exile up to one target non-land permanent that player controls until Grasp of Fate leaves the battlefield. Uh, so that's a, just a really nice card to be able to, typically we'd call it single target removal. But in this case, you're actually getting to remove more than one target, which has its value for sure. And for those that don't know, that's an enchantment. And enchantment is one of those things, enchantment and artifact, you have to specifically have cards in your deck to deal with that. Uh, and there's only so many of those that most people have in their decks. So that's enchantments are always tough to remove. That's a great card. And you may find that in Commander, people will avoid those slots to put in more uh, mass removal, which is a mistake, by the way. You should have single target removal in your deck. Uh, it's always good to diversify. Yeah. So, yeah, so so Jeff Jeff's de box was very uh, filled with, with uh, cards he liked, but that one home run was really the thing that stood out, and whereas mine was more of those mid-level cards. Um, but I was, I think I was just as happy with my box as yours. Uh, now, my second box, honestly, I was kind of underwhelmed. Uh, I didn't get Ristic Study. I didn't get Teferi's Protection. I didn't get any of those name cards that really stood out. Uh, but when push came to shove, I still had a lot of gravy, a lot of gas in there for commons and uncommons. And when I equaled out the value, they were exactly the same value. And that was strange to me. That was kind of funny. I mean, not not to the penny, but they were both uh, within a dollar of each other total value at that moment. And obviously prices have fluctuated. So even though I was less enthusiastic on the second box and I said to myself, and I think I even said to you, Jeff, man, I should have just kept that sealed and held on to it because the, the price on those boxes jumped 50 bucks after the release. Yeah. Just that same day, and they're still sitting there. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not very much fun to hold on to a box. I know I've got two... Uh, sealed sets from the commander uh, with two of the particular commanders in it uh, that I still have, but I'm always wanting to open them up to go ahead and grab the cards out of it, but I've kept myself away so far. Yeah, I mean, it, the, you know, you can definitely gain value by keeping things sealed, but it's always more fun to crack it open. Yeah, for sure. And to and just to take a moment to talk about that a little bit, look, there are different ways to increase your collection in Magic. I know Duncan tends to be someone who buys uh, multiple boxes. I tend to be someone who buys single cards. I build specific for decks. Uh, whichever way you go about doing it is fine. Just make sure it's what you enjoy, that you're having fun doing it. And then I'd say every once in a while, mix it up. If you're someone who buys just single cards, every once in a while, go ahead and buy a box. Uh, have some fun with it. In the same way, if you're someone who typically buys boxes, I think you're going to find that your decks will have some pretty glaring holes in it if you don't also subsidize those box purchases with some very important singles that, that are maybe not available currently. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, whatever whatever floats your boat, whatever way that works best for you, uh, whether it's a mixture of the two, uh, go with that. But the again, as always, main point is to have fun and do what you want to do. The one thing I, I think ha tends to happen and I think players should try and avoid is feeling pressured into buying the high price cards, buying the singles, buying the stuff that, that you know, it's just so good and it's hard to compete against. If you're having those problems and you're really feeling pressured and you don't want to do it, listen to some of the, like, uh, you know, Commander's Brew and some of the things that talk about budget building. And there are some alternatives that work 
maybe not exactly the same, but but will get you the same place and will compete with those other cards. So never feel pressured to spend more than you want to spend on our hobby. Yeah, I've seen we've seen a lot of people play out there. Uh, money is not going to necessarily get you a win, but it does help. Uh, budget decks can be very powerful, so there's nothing wrong with doing that. So um, the other thing that jumped out to us when we were talking about what we opened, uh, we were a little concerned at first because so what's so in the set there was they had included in the uh, convention packs they had included uh, test cards they looked like hand drawn cards that had abilities they were cards that had never been actually released in Magic um, and most of them at the time were not usable though I think they might have no they they're still not usable they are not tournament legal but they they can be played for fun just like an uncard mm-hmm. uh, but. You know, so they had those in the convention packs. When the retail packs, instead of those, they gave us uh, foils. They gave us a single foil of, uh, I think it was 160 some odd foils, different yeah. foils you could get. Correct. Yeah. And when we were opening our first box, there was a couple that we both got. And it kind of made us go, whoa. Scourge of the Throne, right? Scourge of the Throne was one. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, who's going to complain about that? That's an incredible card. Yeah, for uh, for those that don't know that one, uh, that is a red creature dragon, two red, four colorless, flying and dethrone. And dethrone is when, you, when this creature attacks the player with the most life or tied for the most life, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, furthermore, it says whenever Scourge of the Thrones attacks for the first time each turn, if it's attacking the player with the most life or tied for the most life, untap all attacking creatures. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. There's nothing more exciting than doing that with Ur Dragon out on the battlefield, by the way. it's There's just something beautiful about it. So, yeah, I mean, that card is just, I mean, that is a gorgeous card. Just everything about that card, what it does. Um, when you have a moment, you should go look the card up, too, because the art on it is insane. I mean, it's just, it's a pretty cool dragon breathing fire and burning down everything around it. So it's very cool. Yeah, it is a cool card. But so we both got that one. That was one of the higher-priced foils. And we were both like, oh, no, what's this going to be something that ends up not having the value because it's so common to pull? Because we also both pulled Braid of Fire. Jeff, you want to talk about Braid of Fire? Yeah, Braid of Fire is one of those weird cards. It goes ahead and lets you do something in a part of the game where you don't think you'd normally be able to do something. So in general, what it is is it's one red and a colorless. It's an enchantment. It has cumulative upkeep. Uh, which in general what that means is that it keeps getting bigger every upkeep. It says add one red to your mana pool. In general, normally these types of cumulative upkeeps are going to do something bad to you. Like Usually it's a you, payment. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to pay for it or it'll cost you life or something like that, and it gets more and more difficult to keep it on on the board. This gives you a red mana, so if you can use instants or abilities that can do things in that phase of the game you're going to really be able to take advantage of that. And it's it's a pretty cool card. And, w- and let's be clear. It gives you a red mana. The second round, it gives you two red mana. Yeah. The third time you you get your upkeep, it's three red mana. And it's it good just, that we can count. It, it just is. keeps going up. The cumulative yes. upkeep, that is the key here. That That's a very powerful card. Uh, that is, uh, especially in a, in a red spell slinger deck, that's, that's going to shoot some people with... Uh, with pinpoints of damage that are, you know, each round you can be doing a different spell for more and more damage. It, it goes back, it harkens back to that thing Duncan was talking about earlier when there used to be the mana drain where you used to get penalized if you had mana that you didn't use. Mana burn, yes. Yeah. So uh, in general, this was would not be a card they'd probably design today, but we're glad they re-released it. Oh, yeah, that that card is awesome. and uh, But we both got it. We were a little concerned. Uh, when push came to shove, though, and I've talked to other people that opened other d- boxes, our concerns were unwarranted that really isn't that, wasn't that big a di- of a deal that we had some, some crossover. My second box I opened didn't have those same ones. So, um, you know, that wasn't a concern, although I will be honest, some of the prices did kind of level out a little lower than we thought they would on those foils. Because there was only 162, you know, there was, or 160. So everybody got them, right? Yeah. So there, there was only so many to go around. Uh, you had, you know, 36 packs. It's going to, it's going to happen. And so. that, that comes back to the argument and magic of should, should we be trying to make these cards more available to everyone 
or should we protect their value? And I, I would think like many things, uh, the answer is probably somewhere in between those two things. Right. You got you always got to have a balance in everything. Yeah. Um, so talking a little bit about my second mystery box, like I said, it did not have the named cards that jumped out at me that was just super exciting. Uh, you know, my, my most expensive card was, you know, like $5.00 less than my most expensive card that I got two of in the other box, the box, the Rhystic Study. Um, and it wasn't things that necessarily did crazy broken stuff like like Braid of Fire. But but it was still still good gravy, still good gas. Um, and I got a lot more of that mid-range stuff. So it was kind of nice. You know, I've got some stuff to build with. So there's a lot of variability that came with these packs. But... Um, did you have any other specific cards you wanted to call out? or I don't think so. In general, a lot of the cards that I picked up actually will end up becoming commanders and new decks, I think. I got Marin of Clan Nil Toth, which is a pretty cool card. Uh, this is a green-black uh, 2 colorless. Uh, again, the art on this is insane. This is, in my opinion, got to be better. one of the better art uh, cards there is out there. But it's a legendary creature, human shaman. It's a mythic rare. Whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. Now, experience counters are an interesting thing because there's something that cannot be dealt with currently in the game. Once you get them, you've got them. At the beginning of your end step, choose target creature card in your graveyard. If that card's converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of experience counters you have, return it to the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. And if you guys just take a moment, you can obviously look that card up later, but the things you can do with that are insane. The fact that it's a 3-4 is not terrible, uh, and in general, it, it as a commander can be very powerful. Yeah, that definitely sounds like that could be a fun deck, and I know it's a deck a lot of people play. Um, so, yeah, you got you got. I think you got more commanders out of yours as well. Yeah, because I also picked up Teferi, Temporal Archmage. Uh, I also picked up Perforos, God of the Forge. Oh, that, that's uh, a great card. You guys have a second to look those cards up. Uh, again, I was hoping at uh, Kiki Jiki, Mirror Breaker also, Athros, God of Passage. Again, I was hoping to get more of those cards that could make all my decks a little bit better. But really what I drew was magic telling me to make more decks, which well, uh, is, is rude. Well, really. and, and another interesting point here. So Jeff is somebody, how many decks do you currently have? I don't know, like 13 or 14 decks? 13 or 14. My number's more around 40. Um, I'm definitely a brewer. I love brewing decks. That's probably my favorite part. So for me, when I drew, uh, when I opened and I found uh, Foil Norin, I already have a Norin deck, but now I have a Foil, so that's cool. When I drew my Kiki Jiki, I already have a Kiki Jiki deck, but Kiki Jiki can go in other decks as well, so that's true. still cool. Yeah. So while I did get a few commanders, you got more. But also, because you don't have as many decks, that opened new avenues to you. Whereas for me, it's really going to help me even out some decks, bling out some decks. And I think this also gets into a difference, too, where Duncan gets excited. He'll create 40 decks. And I'd say, Duncan, we've probably... You might have had some cards to start with, but in general, you've built those 40 decks since we've started playing, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, so in the time that we've started playing, Duncan has built 40 decks. I've built 13 or 14 decks. But... I spend most of my time trying to make the current deck I have better. And by the way, that's not always by buying a more expensive card. Sometimes that is true. Upgrading from one card to another, getting a little bit more expensive card can help. But also just making sure your mana curve is okay, you've got enough card draw, uh, those things are going to be very important. Right, and that's the thing about these boxes. I feel like these boxes are allowing people to do that. It's giving them more stuff to do that with, things that were harder to find, things that your local game shop didn't have. Uh, you know, these boxes had it. Yeah, so that's that, true. that's going to really help. And so it's going to help people building new decks. It's going to help people Except for the people that missed out on it. But uh, at least the prices dropped a little bit. So now you can go buy those things yourself for a lot less. You can get the singles. Yeah. You can still get boxes. They're $50 more than they were. But honestly, I still think the value is there at this point in time. 150 for those boxes, I think you're going to get your value, not just monetarily, but deck building, deck tweaking. I think you're going to get the value. If they go up again, uh, you know, maybe second guess it. But for now, I think if you have the money and you wanted to, 
I think you're going to come out okay. In general, if you're a commander player right now, now is the best time to be doing it. Right now, there are tons of options uh, for you to be able to scratch your itch on uh, getting magic cards in whichever way fits you best. Right, and this is an exciting year for us as commander players because this is the year of the commander. We have so much product coming out this year, and this wasn't even listed among those those releases. Right. This was not listed as a commander uh, set per se, but I'm telling you right now there is gravy here, there is gas here. You're going to be you're going to be excited if you get any of these cards. For sure. All right. So uh, any other thoughts on the the boosters overall? Um, one thing I want to point out, like Jeff mentioned earlier, there is two types of value here. There's a monetary value and there's the usability value. And I really feel like this, this, these boxes had both. They definitely had both. You got some monetary value. Now, um, are you going to hit a home run like Jeff and, 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 you know, get the one, there is only that one card that is, you know, way above the others as far as value. You might, you might, but even if you don't, there's a lot of the mid-range stuff that that's there and you're going to get your value. And if you always did, it wouldn't be fun because sometimes it's a risk that makes cracking open that box a little bit of fun. So Right. And neither one of us got, uh, like Teferi's Protection was another one of the big big cards that came out uh, in that set. Um, neither of us got any, but I do know our friend Lizard uh, f- from the game shop, he pulled two. Yeah, what a crazy name. That's that that is actually what they call him. It's I don't understand. It's, but it it's at not all. his actual name, but that's what they call him. Yeah. But uh yeah, he pulled two Teferi's Protection, whereas I pulled two Rhystic Studies. Right. So, you know, these things can happen and even between our three boxes there were cards tempting enough that I actually did think about buying another box. But then I thought of all the other stuff coming out throughout the year and I said, Patience, Grasshopper. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh one other thing I did want to do is compare this to uh, the secret layer. Um, both Jeff and I bought something at least from the first secret layer. They've had other secret layers since. Um, I feel like this, if I had a choice between a secret layer or this, I think I would buy this. Yeah, but again, that goes back to people's preference, right? It, it you is going to go back to preference. Yeah. I think one of the things I got out of the secret layer was the Ur Dragon, which I love, and that that foil Ur Dragon is just awesome. That uh, alternative art, uh, alternate art, however you want to say it, is amazing on that card. So there are some people that really enjoy that, and uh, I know they're about to release one with some lands in it. I'm very excited to see the art on that, and I will definitely be buying that. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the ones that are going to be released in your game shops Yeah. Um, with the uh, um, fetch lands in it. Yes. So, yeah, that is exciting because those have needed to be reprinted. That is definitely one. I'm not comparing it to that one, but I'm saying the cards that are the, the pure reprints, um, you know, it's got to be personal preference, but I'm saying as far as value, as far as for your decks, what value you're going to get. You could have bought... For the same price of two two of these boxes, you could have bought like uh, two and a half of the full sets of the first secret layer. I think overall, as far as deck building, you're going to get more gas out of these boxes. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and you're right. You will get more, but there are some people that like they want to build a deck around that, so they go buy the specifically one that they want to do. Like I built Reaper King and the Ur Dragon, and I love love both of them. Although. I am struggling to get that Reaper King to work because that draws a lot of hate, and it should. Yeah, that, it's, that's a, that's another topic for another show, talking about commanders that, that draw a lot of hate and how you circumvent that because sometimes your deck is a lot of fun to play, but it's a lot of fun to play at other players' expenses, and they don't like it, and they're going to come after that commander. But. Right, right. So uh, now I, I think we're going to move on to a uh, another segment. Uh, this segment we're calling Counterspell. This is where Jeff and I are going to have a debate, if you will, about a topic. And I, th- I think the topic I wanted to cover today is what's the most important aspect of the game? So, Jeff, if you want to start and talk about what you think the most important aspect of the game is to you. Winning. I, and the funny thing is, folks, he is not kidding. That That is, from the beginning, Jeff has said, you know, we talked about, well, what makes Magic fun for you? What makes it a fun game? And his answer has always been, if I win. Yeah. But, well, not if I win. In general, winning, though. Winning in general. You know, you're not going to win every game, but I want to win some games for sure. And as I've pointed out to Jeff, if everybody had that attitude in a 
common four-player game, three people are always going to walk away unhappy. Well, but you play multiple games, so they're going to have to get their win sometime. But then you're going to be unhappy. No, uh, as long as I win some, I'm okay. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, See, for me, as I mentioned earlier, the deck building is probably my favorite part. Uh, Just the coming up with concepts, the brewing. I am a purist. I... I use EDH rec when I'm not building decks, when I'm just looking things up, things like that. But when I'm building decks, I almost, uh, I avoid it like the plague. I do not want anything tainting my uh, my deck building. I don't want any, unless I really get stuck, I don't want any hints, any ideas. I want to come up with this myself. That's my favorite part, coming up with the ideas, finding these cards. Yeah, and I'm a studier. I'm going to study. I'm going to read everything I possibly can, understand as much as I can, which has been important too because I've been learning the game. Unlike Duncan, who had a a very long experience with magic, I didn't. So learning has been very important for me to understand how cards interact with each other. And uh, for me, if we're getting past, obviously, you know, winning, which is an important part of playing a game, one of the things that I think is very important in, in any game is, is mana ramp and card draw. Uh, and it is funny that I win so many games because of those two things. It ultimately, making sure you have the right mana and making sure you have the right amount of cards is so important. And again, that's not an area that has to cost you a lot of money. That's just an area where you have to make sure your deck is tuned right. Very true, very true. And going back to the winning, one one discussion Jeff and I had early on was about the fact that uh, you don't need to always win. Well, Jeff does. But otherwise, you don't need to always win to have fun. <laughs> uh, there was a game just recently. Now, I do not feel like I'm a stacks player. Let me be upfront about that. I don't try and stop other yeah, people's could have fooled me. Uh, this one game, this one deck I have, my favorite deck, my Gentaxius deck, I realized it might be a little stacksy. wasn't built that way intentionally. You want to take a second and tell folks what stacks is? Uh, stacks, for those that don't know, are cards uh, that it's a deck that is built to stop people from playing Magic. Yeah, it's, it's, it taxes them to the point if you want to if you want to cast a non-creature spell, it costs two more. If you want to draw a card, it costs two more. If you want to uh, tap your untap your lands, you can't. So if you're playing against it in general, what you get to do is sit there and try to play or play at like one third speed uh it, it's it's not it's not that much fun so so this one game it came out and i was playing next to lizard our our stores he is the stacks player i mean i that he lives for stacks yeah uh don't hold it against him folks he's still a nice guy but but yeah he lives for stacks his he's three of his four decks are stacks centric right well sitting next to him with my little bit of stacks we pretty much locked out the game. Yeah, and he, he probably had more stacks than the other person, to be completely honest, which is why uh, at the end of the day we killed him first. Right, and uh, a guilty pleasure, I have to admit. I, I enjoyed that game more than almost any game I've won uh, just because of people's reactions. Yeah. They, they, nobody got salty, really. Everybody was cool, but, but just their reactions to us and, 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 and the, the joking going back and forth and... and you know, somebody tries to counter my thing, so Lizard counters the counter to protect my thing because it's doing the same thing he wants to do. Yeah, and, and I enjoyed it too. So and Duncan could probably tell you why I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, you enjoyed it because didn't you win that game? I did. Yes. Eventually, eventually they overcame us. These these stacks players got knocked out, and and Jeff won the game. And by the way, uh, politics is a real thing. Uh, that was very helpful. I could literally do nothing in that game. Everything I tried, they correctly stopped. Luckily, the other two players were able to do it for me. They were able to take Duncan out and then take out Lizard, which then left me playing the two of them. Because you told them to. And I had tons of mana, uh, tons of card draw, and I think I ended up drawing into about 40 cards. And, uh, well, anytime you draw 40 cards and you have mana, you should probably win. And I will also point out that Lizard the Prophet did point out that you would win. Yeah. Once we were knocked out, he said, you guys just sealed your doom. Yeah, Jeff fair. is going to win. That's fair. Although I think he says that a lot when they he gets They did have a chance, out. though. I didn't know I was going to win. But again, guys, that's why card draw mana ramp is so important because especially card draw late game, it's going to allow you to do something you didn't know you could do. You had no plan. You had no way out. You're able to draw cards. You're going to be able to find a solution. And uh, 
basically the point here is that so Jeff's, Je- Jeff says that winning is the most important thing in the game. And I say having fun. So I guess I'm right. Right, Jeff? Well, I think, yeah, having fun is ultimately very well, important. You just equate you, winning with having fun. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people do. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's okay to want to win. What you do have to do is be careful that your desire to win isn't taking away the fun from other people. There are times where you have to let people do what they're trying to do. There are times where you might have to slow down a little bit. But in general, just understand you're playing with a group of people. So try to make it fun for everyone. Uh, But there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. That same day we did play with a hugs player. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And actually, Jeff, you said you might consider playing a hugs deck. Oh, for sure. And to be clear, this was a pure hugs player. He took out any win cons and was only building his deck to support what everybody else was doing. Yeah, it was a super cool thing. And uh, I would totally be for that because, again, the point of that deck is to help everybody win. So when they win, you win, which is kind of cool. So there's hope for him yet, folks. Well, I don't know if I'm going to say that, but we'll hope. Okay, what do we got next here? Uh, so the next segment is a uh, is a little thing Jeff likes to do, and that's uh, complain about things that aggravate him. So we figured we give him a forum here, just get <laughs> it out of his system, and uh, well. So I have a lot of things that aggravate me, but right now what's aggravating me is the fact that I'm clearly not close enough to this microphone. Folks, I don't know if you've ever had to talk into a microphone, but it is the most awkward thing you possibly imagine. I'm going to equate this to like your first kiss where you just don't know what you're supposed to do. I I don't think you're Uh, doing that right. Well, I don't know. I'm getting pretty intimate with this mic here. And uh, I'm getting text messages from uh, our producers here telling me to get closer to it. And if I get any closer at this point, well, my wife's going to be pretty jealous. That's what's aggravating me right now, Duncan. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so that's something you can look forward to every week, folks, or every episode. Well, hopefully rather. I get better at this, but we'll see. Uh, there's hope. Yeah. Again, there's hope. Luckily, I am motivated by winning. <laughs> But uh, I think that's all we have for this week. Uh, any final thoughts, Jeff? No, I'm excited for the next uh, for the next podcast we do here. All right. So until then, thanks for joining our f- pod, folks. We've enjoyed having you with us, and stay tuned for next one. This podcast has been produced by Whiskey Barrel Productions. For more information on our services, go to whiskeybarrelproductions.com or follow us on social media.